Morning, everyone. So I took on Father, coming up to Father's Day, I took a survey of, of a father's survey of what the subject matter should be. Uh, there, was some, there was some mocking about it because we're going to talk about money. Uh, but the survey was unanimous, unanimous to talk about money. The sur- those that were surveyed, 100%. How many were surveyed? One, me. <laughs> we, were, we were laughing at we creative team uh, because initially I told Claire, I said, I think that we need to talk about our relationship to money because we always think about relationship being person to person, which obviously, rightfully so, correct? Um, but we all have a relationship with money. Some of us may not like the relationship, and hopefully uh, in, our, in our time together talking with money, uh, we can we can help each other through this process, but the scripture has so much to talk about when it comes to our relationship with money. Right? It comes. Uh, the the Bible is full of wisdom. The scripture here um, in Second Corinthians nine is one of those magnificent, inspirational scriptures when it comes to just God's desire and. The truth is, is uh, Claire mentioned it, we all want to become more like Jesus, and certainly one of the things that Jesus uh, was incredibly uh, clear about was how generous he was, to the point where he would give his life for us. You can't get any more generous than that, right? So, um, so we want to talk about generosity. I want to read this scripture again. We're going to read a couple of extra verses, but as we go into it, I want you to take a minute here, just a second. And think about, so if we have a relationship with money, I want you to think about your relationship with money, just kind of in general. And I want want you to think about if that, you could encapsulate your relationship with money in, in, embody it in a person, maybe a person in your life or a person that you've seen or thought about. Uh, What would you say that person, who is that person? Or what does that person look like? And then we're going to try to help each other move forward and continue to grow um, in, as we read through the scripture and go through these points. Second Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having that, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is service that you perform. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing. Everyone say overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. 
Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers, for you in their hearts will go out to you because of your surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for the indescribable gift. Let's say that last sentence together. Thanks be to God for the indescribable gift. Amen. Amen. So we have a relationship with money. Have you ever noticed when you don't pay attention to your relationships, um, it can it can be troublesome. It can go sideways. Good relationships take work. Good marriages take a lot of effort. They're beautiful and they're wonderful, but anyone that tells you that it doesn't take a lot of investment is just not telling you the truth. Relationships, in order for them to be good, take some attention, right? The other day I was at the bookstore and... Um, I was at Barnes and Noble in Battle Creek just checking out some different books, going through shelves, and I had found a couple of books that I wanted to buy, and all of a sudden, I got a phone call from one of our kids, and he was a li- it was one of our sons, he was a little bit distraught because of some interaction that he had had um, at a lo- another local store, and he was trying to exchange something, it's kind of a long story, but he was just like... He had a lot of angst around it, and I was trying to calm him down. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's no big deal. You know, I, I know that you think it's really uh, a big deal, and I understand why you think it's a big deal, but we'll work it out. No problem. And as I'm talking to him, I'm walking to the car, and I get out to the car, and I realize I have two books from Barnes & Noble in my arm that I haven't paid for. So immediately, I started looking around to see if any of you were around. That's the first thing I did. Then the police and down, you know, and then any employees, Barnes and Noble. And I went back inside. I really got a chuckle out of it. And I walked up right up to the counter and I said, you know, thanks for not sending out any security. I don't know if you even have security here, but I just stole two books, but I'm back to pay for them. And they laughed and didn't charge me any extra. And I'm not going to jail as far as I know, but this now it's on tape. But I did pay. I do have a receipt. Anyway, but that's how our relationship with money can go. We can get so caught up in everything else that's going on in our life that we don't give any attention to something that's really, really an important part of not just our own life, but how we want to affect the world. This scripture, for instance, in 2 Corinthians 9, man, isn't it just rich? Paul is admonishing the Corinthians to say, listen, let's make a difference with our resources. And he encourages them as he encourages us and takes them through this, what I would call a relational, really kind of an ara- a, a relational uh, display of how to connect with people and with your money and how to live in a way that God would be honored. Now, we're going to go through a lot and we're not going to get through it all today. We're going to get through what we can in about 20 minutes of me being up here but we'll, we'll pick it up. But I want to start, when we talk about our relationship with money, I'm just going to put all my cards on the table of what I see, at least in this scripture. There are checkpoints for a healthy relationship with your money and f- for your money. Now, 
I want to tell you this. I would encourage you to share this also with young people. This isn't. Um, this is not going to be a talk about tithing. I might mention tithing, but it's not about that. It's about how you and I can have a healthy relationship. Everybody say a healthy relationship. Healthy relationship, no matter how much money you have, God wants us to have a healthy relationship with money. The scripture clearly tells us that the love of money can lead to some evil things, right? But it isn't evil to have money. We all have money. So how can we do this in a healthy way? First of all, we're going to check our health. We're going to check our past, check our mindset, check our heart, check our attitude, check your register, check your flow, check your math, check yourself, and check your God. That's what we're going to cover. So let's dive right into these checkpoints of how we can pay attention. So checkpoint number one, relational health check number one is check your health. Paul says here, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I had to go to the ophthalmologist the other day. I go, uh, like, I kind of go to the dentist every five or six years when something's falling out or apart, right? And the older I get, the, the you know, the frequency gets a little clearer. And the, the doctor said to me, well, when was the last time I saw you? I said, well, you, you weren't even in this office. And she laughed. And um, anyway, we were talking about it. So I was in there for an hour because I'd gotten this growth on my eye. And, you know, I find that just as age goes on, there's more of a, a, a draw to the doctor's office. We talk about the aches and the ailments. Maybe we just ignore them more when we're younger. Anyway, after an hour, the appointment went well. She just basically told me I had a callus on my eye. She said, I would explain it to you in scientific terms, but obviously you wouldn't understand. So I didn't know how to take that. But anyway, she said, you have a callus on your eye and I think you're going to be fine. But I went to the ophthalmologist to check the health of my eye. When was the last time that you had a money checkup? When was the last time that you thought about your goals, your hopes, your dreams, your desires? When was the last time you thought about the things that your money does and the impact that you and your family want to have on the world? We do this around the church for us corporately all the time. We are looking at how we, as a community of faith, can touch the world as we come together with our, our, our resources. This is an action of responsibility. It sounds simple. It sounds easy. But make sure that you're not in Barnes & Noble, and next thing you find yourself at the car, and you've forgotten to take simple responsibility. Pay attention to things like budgeting, See, to have a good relationship, it's good to get counsel and be educated and pay attention to how things change over time. In order for us to have healthy relationships, we need to have healthy input. We need to have honest reflections. The greatest area of growth in my personal relationships in life is with Claire because we have a lot of honest reflection with one another. How are you getting honest reflection when it comes to your resources? And then when you reflect, when you check things out, when you check your health, the health of your finances, the health of your money, then pay attention to what may need to change or be adjusted. No shame in any of this, gang. We're all in this together. 
We are living in a world where we are inundated, and I'll get into this in a minute, inundated with this draw to not pay attention well to our resources. But I want to tell you that that is not God's best desire for us. Always remember that you and I are caretakers. We are not owners. You are not an owner of anything that you get. It's a blessing that you, you have a home, uh, perhaps, or you have an apartment. You may have driven here in a car. None of that is owned by any of us. It's all on loan. If you, not only if you are a Christ follower, it's just, it's all on loan. It is on loan for us to care for, tend to, and I believe God's desire is that we would pay attention to even bring increase to what we've been given. So, how are you doing caretaking? Now, that manifests differently for each one of us. The way that we care for and tend to is different, and it's nuanced, and it's unique, but we have a responsibility to pay attention. Amen? The second thing that we see here, and Paul starts this portion of Scripture out with just this word, remember. Check your past. There is, there is probably nothing that has a bigger impact on your life and mine when it comes to our approach of finances and resources than perhaps our parents or those that we have allowed to mentor us along the way. This is for, we, we have the opportunity to learn from the good, the bad, and the ugly, no matter what household you grew up in, and your household included for your kids, if you have kids, It has not been a perfect journey when it comes to finances and resources. We have all not done this journey. Nobody's done it perfect. But what can you learn? What can you look back on your past, remember some of the things that possibly happened, and reflect on those things, and pay attention? Even, let me say this, even your perspective For instance, when you grew up in the house you grew up in, your perspective is probably different than your siblings would look at how your parents handled finances, right? Even in that situation, and you're watching the same stuff, however, it influences us. So you've learned things perhaps that have been really helpful. You've learned things maybe that have not been really helpful. I think of some things that I just kind of got through osmosis because my mom and dad, they never sat us down and said, this is how you fill out a checkbook and this is how you budget your money. But I noticed other things. I noticed that my dad got paid every two weeks and he got $20 every two weeks. He was never happy about that part of the budget. They didn't call it a budget, but it was a budget. $20 every two weeks. You, you don't think, you didn't think you had any money. He was working overtime and getting $20 every two weeks. I loved my parents' attitude toward money. I never felt like we didn't have, even though we didn't have in the world's terms an awful lot, because our parents were grateful for what we had. I know when my parents gave their life to Christ, I did pay attention to their generosity. Immediately, it became a priority for them to honor God. Those are great things. I learned things like my dad was a steel worker. He was an electrician in a steel mill that went bankrupt three times. My dad stayed with the company all three times through the bankruptcy till finally the third bankruptcy, when it went bankrupt, he lost all of his pension. He had been there for 35 years. 
His pension after that was $90. It went from what was going to be several thousand dollars a month pension to $90 a month after 35 years of working in a place. A couple of years after that, he would go through an amputation. So the thought of him getting some kind of work that was going to fill in the gaps for all of that was kind of crazy. How would this ever happen? But in spite of all of that, I watched my parents be grateful and never at least project stress to me in an intense way about their finances and resources. So we need to look at the past. I used to joke with my dad um, when things started to get better and he would talk about, you know, the bankruptcies and all of that. And this is just kind of the sense of humor in our household. Some of you probably would think that's not really funny, but it all worked out for the good for them. Um, My mom and dad were blessed. God did miracles for them. The stories are unbelievable, but we used to sing Peter, Paul, and married each other, uh, but not where have all the flowers gone, but where, have all the, where has all the money gone? Can we sing that together? Let's sing it. Where has all the money gone? Long time past. Come on, you got to be, if you're going to sing, you got to be invested, right? This is a money talk, I think investment. Where has all the money gone? Long time ago. One more time. Where has all my money gone? Long time passing. When will I ever learn? When will I ever learn? Yeah. (laughs) Remember, nothing has a bigger impact. Your life right now, the way you're approaching your money, if you have not sat down and paid attention, no matter how old you are, I'm just going to tell you that part of the way you're approaching things, and hopefully it's for the good, but I think it's important that we look at the way that our brains literally have been formed in the way we handle our resources. And is that God's best? We're just looking for God's best, right? The next thing here that we see is to check our mindset. Paul says it this way, and everybody gravitates toward this because it's so inviting, isn't it? Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. See, it is important that we approach our money with the right kind of mindset. There's basically two ways we approach with our mind finances in general. One is we either have a scarcity approach or the other is we have an abundance approach. A scarcity approach is that approach that says there's just so much, that there's not this unendless supply that God can provide in every situation. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we should be out being foolish with our money, but we should approach. Paul says if you're generous, your generosity will be met with God's abundance. Some way, somehow. But if you are living in a place of scarcity and you think that there is only so much and God cannot break through those limitations, God's invitation is, is away from that. It's the beauty of the, the widow who comes and gives the offering of her last might, right? Her last couple of pennies. 
And she is encouraged, and to this day we talk about her. On this day we talk about her. She lives in the realm of abundance. See, in our culture, we would look at her and say, she wasn't living in abundance, but Jesus had a different way to see it. Jesus said she was fully living in abundance, and he even brought attention to those that gave enormous amounts of money and said that they were living in scarcity, essentially, because they had a lot more that they could give, but they were holding back on what they had. It's amazing. See, one of the, one of the earmarks of abundance and scarcity, how you can pay attention to this, is when, for instance, you come into some extra money. Maybe you get a bonus at work. Maybe you get, maybe you get a check from the government that you weren't expecting. And you have plans immediately, right? So the scarcity mindset would be, uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy all these different toys and trinkets or whatever. And then, have you ever had this happen? And then in the midst of the check showing up, you go to the bank, you cash it, you're getting ready to go buy maybe that big screen TV that you really don't need because you already have three of them. Your dishwasher broke or your washing machine, if you have a scarcity mindset, you can almost count on the fact that that's going to really frustrate you. That is going to bug you. It might anger you. You had plans for that. And how in the world could this happen to you? On the other hand, if you have an abundant mindset, you kind of shift. And you say, thank you, Jesus, that I had this extra money on the way to pay for my dishwasher or my washing machine before I even saw it break down. It's a different approach. It's an approach of abundance. See, we all need to understand that depending on how you interact with like the internet or with advertisements, each one of us will be approached every day 3,000 to 30,000 times a day telling us we don't have enough. That's really what marketing is all about. You don't have enough. Things are scarce. You're going to run out. If any culture in the history of humanity should not be walking around with a scarcity mentality, but should be walking around with an abundant, generous mentality, it should be our culture. It's interesting because about... 50 or 60 years ago, the language shifted. In in the U.S., we were called citizens. You'll still hear that occasionally, but you don't hear it as much anymore. You don't hear about citizens. What, What we're called now is consumers. We're not citizens anymore. See, citizens... The de- one definition for citizens is one who contributes to the well-being of the community. On the other hand, consumers, one definition is he or she who takes, depletes, consumes, diminishes, or destroys. It's a subtle shift, but it's a very real shift. And you and I are bombarded with that every day. You are, you are invited into an abundant life. I am invited into an abundant life. God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. See, the moment that you and I give generously, I believe this. I believe it creates a vacuum, a sacred vacuum of opportunity for God's abundant provision in my life and yours. 
Let me say it to you again. The moment that you and I give generously, it creates a vacuum of sacred opportunity for God's abundant provision to be seen in our lives. I want you to think about a time, it may have been even this morning, putting money in an offering and you thought, man, I don't know, this is, this is a step of faith. I want you to think about a time that you gave generously in the past. And I want you to think about how God somehow moved into what was that vacuum space, what could have been a void in your life. And as Paul says here, God gives generously to your generosity. See, we have to break this addiction we have to more, this addiction that we have in our culture to it's never enough, and move into a place of contentment and abundance, which says, I always have more than I need. Let's say that together. I always have more than I need. You have things provided for you. I have things provided for me and our families that we don't even know about right now. You don't know what's going to happen in your life fiscally this week. And next week, we're going to start out with checking our heart. So I want to send you out with this as we, as we go ahead and pull this together and pray. In checking our heart, I want you to ask yourself this question so we can start at this place next week. What is your desire with your money? What do you desire to see? If, if money wasn't the question, like the, the amounts, if you could do anything, like if you could provide for something or meet a need or you know, help out with something. I want you to think about that this week, and I want you to write it down, and next week we're going to start here. What is your heart's desire when it comes to your money? And I believe God's going to do something powerful for us as we pay attention to that. We actually wondered if we were going to guide a prayer practice in the beginning or at the end of... um this passage of scripture and so we decided at the last minute that we would do it at the end so I'm going to invite you to stand for just a moment and um, you know we were at the Fountain Clinic fundraiser on Friday night and one of the folks that we were with bought something that they were shocked that they bought well actually there might have been more than one of us that were shocked at at what we (laughs) and um, and the person said to me you know I really you know, that was a lot of money. I don't know if I really had that right now to do that, but it was a really good cause. Have you ever had that where, like, you were prompted to do something and then you had buyer's remorse or giver's remorse or something <laughs> like that? And then you sit back and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, what, did that, what did that mean? What was the meaning in that moment with um, giving? And I just, I want to invite you to think about this for a minute. And um, sorry to all of you who know this story that when I asked my dad for a pair of jeans when I was 16, my dad said I had to wait two weeks. And I said, you know, Dad, if you didn't give so much money away, you'd have money to give me for jeans this week. You know, charity begins at home. I was 16. And I, you know, anyway. And my dad said, and Claire Marie, your home is much bigger than you think it is. And, and that was a really, like, that was like a, um, something that got stuck in the cells of my body. I will never forget that. 
I'll tell that story over and over and over because my home is a lot bigger than I think it is. So um, when you're hurting, you know, I, and, and I'm aware of it, there's something that goes off like a, a dad alarm on the inside of me. Like, chair, you know, not charity begins at home, but your home is bigger than you think it is. So I just wonder what happens in your body. This is a reflection question for you this week. When you talk about money. Like, do you get excited and sit up straight? Or do you start shaking your foot? Or, or do you elbow your, like, oh, this was not the week to come to church. <laughs> you know, what happens in your body? There's an alarm that goes off in your body, I promise you. Your body knows things before you can actually put words together. And it's based on what our experiences have been. So what happens when God starts to talk to you about your money? You know, like, did you really need that, Claire? Or what was that about, Claire? You know, when God will say, are you sure you want to do that, Claire? There's like a, there's an alarm in me. And this is one of those things that if you, if you actually are willing to practice this, you're going to be paying attention. When money happens, you'll find yourself either constricting or expanding. When we talk about, you know, our relationship to money, you might find yourself moving away, moving against, or opening up. I don't know. Just know that about yourself. And then that can give you this this ability to make another choice. Like if I'm going like this and I'm constricting, like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not helping with that. I mean, the other day we, um, we got this phenomenal gift from a local nonprofit for Haiti. And, you know, another nonprofit sending, an, you know, help for Pastor Carlo in Haiti. And when I read that, I mean, I, I just like, first thing I did was, well, what should I be doing? Like, that was my first response. Well, that was like a good motivation for me to ask myself, what can I help with, you know? Yeah. So, so, but that's not always what happens. Sometimes I go, I hope that doesn't mean I have to do anything. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. So your body has a response. You have a relationship with money that you have a bodily response to. Don't judge yourself. Don't get mad at yourself and don't get too proud of yourself. Right. <laughs> you know. But just say, I wonder if there are things that are like an immediate response that God is going to teach me how to walk with God in ways that are really healthy. Because you never know what can happen. This week in our neighborhood, we lost a little 10-year-old girl. And we have a neighborhood Facebook page, a private group. And, you know, one of the moms, you know, she's like, I, I just bought a bunch of ribbon and, and I'm going to go. And, you know, and then everybody's, how can I help? And what can I do? And, you know, I just want to say, friends, um, when something happens, open to what God might invite you to do to be a part of the love that God is pouring out on the earth so that at all times, in all ways, you have all that you need because God will always provide for us. And it'll be different. You're going to have a different prompting. You know, 
most people don't think in terms of ribbons to put on mailboxes, right? But this person did. This person was open to hearing something from God. And so, God, let's just, um, let's just say, God, we, we want to be involved in your generosity in the world in all the ways that you intend, not under compulsion, but really in a way that opens us to life and life that is so abundant that is not constricted or scarce, but that we would just say, oh God, and I want to say that, God, thank you for people who inspire me to be looking at my home as bigger than just me. And I pray that all of us, God, in in these bodies, that we would give you permission to show us how we react and um, and celebrate it or choose another way. That at the times that we've experienced it, we would just say, oh God, thanks for letting me be a part of that. And that when we are afraid, we have fear or we're controlling things or um, whatever it is we're doing that keeps us out of flow, let us notice how we respond to our relationship with money and become a part of what you're doing in the earth. So maybe you could just hold your hands open for a minute in God's presence. And then maybe you could close them. Notice how that feels. Hold yourself closed very tightly, very constricted with your hand. And now open your hand. And just in whatever way you want to talk to God about whatever this message has meant to you, whatever word or phrase from the scripture. Just say, God, just help me live in all the abundant ways that you intend. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. And more of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your
in the name of the Father, who is so, so good, in the name of the Son, who gave everything and has become the embodiment of generosity for us to look upon, Lord Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, who lives and reigns with you, one God, forever and ever, and that that Spirit would lead and guide our church all week. Can you just say, lead and guide me all week long? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful week, everybody.